many of the businesses that we deal with, it's so hard for them to break away from that all-in-one system because it's trying to manage so many things. And it might be able to deliver on a, on a core ability, but there's a lot of these ancillary capabilities that they're looking for that they're just stuck with because it's an all-in-one system. You're listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 230 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. How should you design your app ecosystem? Where do you start when there are so many apps to choose from? Jeffrey Atizado of SMB Consultants and Clinton Cowan of Tradepad are cloud integrators and so design and build app ecosystems for a living. So I went to see Jeffrey and Clinton to learn more. There was a specific slide that Jeffrey had designed and had used at various conferences and roadshows. And I was very keen to see this slide. And I do in this interview. And Jeffrey very kindly walks me through this slide. But of course, you can't see it because you are driving or walking. So let me give you a picture of what it looks like. Imagine a white wall and then you draw five large circles and these large circles represent different function groups. It might be accounting, marketing, e-commerce, operations, payments. The actual function groups, of course, vary depending on the industry, size and complexity of the business you run. So it might be five, but it could also be more or less. And these circles overlap because ideally none of these function groups stand alone as a silo. They talk to each other, they are integrated. And so when you put this onto your wall, then of course these circles overlap and it looks like a Venn diagram. And then in each function group, you have a core software and then apps that integrate with this core. And of course, the amount of apps that go into each function group that you could choose in any of these function groups is amazing. It's really overwhelming. But we will talk about this more. Just hopefully this little mental picture helps you to visualize an app ecosystem. Here are Jeffrey and Clinton. This slide was the one at ZeroCon 2016. And have you shown it at ZeroCon since then? Not at ZeroCon, but at various at cert camps and webinars and when I speak to new partners, it's it's been highly distributed, many, many people, yeah, and not just partners, yeah, even, even clients. So it's been highly beneficial just to be yes. able to visualize how the ecosystem has evolved that I think initially people just thought of integration as one app to another app, uh, which is how it did start, but then it quickly evolved into, and this is how we actually found the different apps that we thought were important is we, we call this our Swiss army knife of apps. So we thought about payments, staff rostering might be for a retail business. They might have an online store. They might have loyalty. There might be a scheduling aspect. So these are all sort of different parts of the business that you could use apps to manage. And then you had your zero file and there were particular add-ons that would turbocharge the zero file. So you'd have the things like Receipt Bank or HubDoc, you might have benchmark reporting, you might have something like practice ignition. And this blue circle represents sort of the stack of apps that your cloud advisors or your app partner, like your bookkeepers and accountants would be experts on because they'd be looking at ways to automate 
the zero file and make the data, the way you get data into the zero file more efficient and more accurate. So it looks like the accounting software tends to be at the core of the whole ecosystem. Or is that just because I'm an accountant and I see zero in the middle and that's why I well, kind this, of think No, that's, that's a good core. question. That's what this slide actually shows you is that there are several cores. Each circle represents an ecosystem of apps. So we have the accounting ecosystem with an accounting software and then apps that cover receipt and document storage, that cover benchmarking, client management, payroll, super payments, etc. So that's the financial accounting ecosystem where the accounting software, of course, plays a major role. But then there are other ecosystems that... Yeah, it's so this like different like galaxies that then start talking to each other. Correct, correct. And, and this is why this was so beneficial is because it helps show our partners that they can still own an ecosystem and there's an overlap of the ecosystems. And when they start to venture out into new ecosystems, well, are these really apps that they want to support when they don't work with them every day? You know, so there is a relationship of how these apps work together and, you know, what they can really decide to own because they feel very confident and comfortable in owning this space because this is all information that links to the zero fall. It's when they start to venture out and then there's other ecosystems. So this ecosystem has to do with customer engagement, right? So loyalty, social media, mobile payments, email marketing, traffic analytics. This all has to do with customer data information. And then we venture out into wholesale distribution, manufacturing, and omni-channel, right? So if a business does both retail and wholesale or wholesale and manufacturing, then there's another ecosystem, which is omni-channel. So then you get multiple e-commerce sites, you get marketplaces, 3PLs, EDI integrations, analytics, shipping and fulfillment. And all of these are have systems at their core. So for example, this would be at the core of a retail ecosystem. For example, Vend. Vend, or it could be Lightspeed, or it could be, you know, there's a number of retail. In, in the hospitality, it might be Counter, for example. That would be at the core of the hospitality sort of front end. Omnichannel, you've got, you know, a few different players there as well that's at the core of Omnichannel. I just have a light bulb moment, and that is, I always think of the accounting software as the core of the ecosystem, but that's, of course, just because I'm an accountant and I live in that world. But now I actually realize there are a whole lot of other ecosystems, and the business owner probably lives a lot more in those ecosystems than in the financial accounting ecosystem. And they all talk different languages. Another term that we've, we've coined is an app function group. Okay? So... When you want to be a cloud integrator, you need to be able to understand what an app function group is because it's, it's the system that sits at the core of an ecosystem. Because with a slide like this, you can quickly see that if you're trying to use one app to recommend to all businesses that fall under one vertical, it's probably a very limited viewpoint or limited recommendation. Right. If you want to be a cloud integrator, you really need to own all the apps within an app function stack, all the considerations, all the things that people would be considering in that space. So as a consultant, you can say, I understand this entire space and these are the apps you should consider. And this is the one that's going to be best for you. It's impossible for a cloud integrator to 
know all those apps. 100%. So every cloud integrator basically needs to specialize in a function group and be really spot on with apps about custom engagement or manufacturing or scheduling, etc. Do you find that is happening, that cloud integrators specialize on function groups? 100%, just the same way a GP and a specialist would have, you'd have a GP that would be you know, general in terms of his practice. And then you'd have specialists that are podiatrists and chiropractors and, you know, all their specialities, because this is the same thing. There's so many considerations and options in one space. And this is the reason why for 10 years, I've never had any inclination to get into the trade space because I know that I can't get into trades just knowing one app. I have to know all of them. And I have to have the experience and the industry knowledge that Clinton brings to the table to call myself an expert. And I think it's one of the reasons why Tradypad and SMB have been so successful is from the very beginning, we made a clear distinction as to what we did, like what was our vertical specialization. It seems to me that the vertical specialization within cloud integrators is not actually the function groups, but is industries. So for example, you, Clinton, you specialize in trades. So you cover all apps that are relevant for trades. It's not that you just cover customer engagement or that you just cover job scheduling. You cover all of them, but just for that particular industry. So it seems that the specialization among cloud integrators is actually not by function group, but by vertical industries. Yes, it is. It's both because within, well, we know our specialization is in the job and project management software. We call it the operational software, and there's a lot to know in there. But within that space, again, using the example I used before of the docket, there's knowledge required around forms and there's lots and lots of options with forms. There's so many different forms tools. Some are part of the job and project management software. Some are independent, some integrate, integrate some are cloud-based. There's lots of, lots of variables in there. And, and other examples of the function stacks that Jeff mentioned within trades and construction would be safety specialization or workplace health and safety specialization having a specialist that's a workplace health and safety consultant to put compliant systems into your business that the business owner is going to be comfortable knowing they're compliant. That's not something we, we get involved in because that's not our specialization. We've got partners that we refer to for that type of thing. And same with estimating. For a builder, estimating is a very specific thing. And there's software that can do estimating. But again, that's not our specialty. We've got partners that we refer to for that but we know where to refer people when we have to. So our specialization is within trades and construction, but we don't do everything. When you bring these other partners in, are you like the builder that is in the end responsible for the end result? Or is it more that you say, you go to this partner and then you deal with him and whatever he does is his thing? Yeah, it's more like the latter. So at this stage, it's a little bit fragmented. I think there is scope for that more consolidated approach to oversee all of that. Because I think I can imagine the industry or I can imagine your clients really would like to have one person who just makes sure that the whole thing works and they don't have to run from A to B yeah. to C. Yeah. Because A and B and C might not talk to each other. Mm, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we are kind of falling into that out of necessity, but we haven't made the conscious decision to be that head contractor that's looking after yes, all the subcontractors right yeah. that are sitting underneath it. I guess for some of the larger businesses, we are doing that. But typically, the smaller businesses, they want to do a lot of it themselves anyway. And there's maybe limitations around budget and there's some limitations around scope and knowledge. So, yeah, it's it's evolving. The whole thing's evolving. The amount that our businesses have changed in the last 10 years is absolutely unbelievable. And I guess it's nature of the beast with the industry that we're working in with software. 
it's changing all the time. Every couple of weeks, there's releases, new releases, updates, new software. It's so dynamic. Jeffrey, I took you away from the slide. This is one that we showed app function stacks. This is from 19... 2016, I believe, is when this slide came out. Yep. And this is very simple. And there's still a lot of apps there. But when you look at how the apps have evolved over the years and app function stack. So each one of these is an app function stack. So, so at the top, it says accounting technology ecosystem. And then it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's probably 20 subgroups. And in these 20 subgroups, you have probably 30, 40 apps listed. So it is, it is mind-boggling. It has grown exponentially, right? And so the reason why we highlight this is we say, you know, if you want to be a cloud integrator in the retail space, the app function stack that falls within that industry might be point of sale. And to become an expert, I couldn't call myself an expert in retail if I knew one app. Because the business owner out there is going to be researching all these apps within this app function stack. That's the point we're making. So they're kind of tied within each other. And similarly for Clinton, it might be like time tracking or it could be field service, field service management. management. Or project management. He would maybe not support all of these, but he would be definitely familiar with all of them. And one of the things that we do is that we curate these apps and we're, we're accountable to making sure that all the apps that we do support and recommend, we have hands-on experience using them and we actually know what are the differences between them. We're not just doing the research and making a recommendation and then leaving people to their own demise to set up themselves. We're actually making the recommendation based on our hands-on experience using you them. You actually integrate, don't you? You actually set it up. You make sure that one app talks to the other, that the data fields correct. match, etc. Yeah, correct. Do ongoing service. So if suddenly an app breaks or something, you... Yeah, that point of support. Has this happened to you that an app suddenly disappears and you have integrated an app and suddenly there's a gaping hole because the app ran out of funding? Not yet. Not yet, but... It's been very close. Uh, something to talk about is... When you move to a decentralized model like this, one of the things it does do is it provides a limited risk for the business owner that if one part, one app of this app function stack isn't working correctly, they don't have to throw out the whole lot. There is always this ability to reassess and change what one of these apps does, which limits the risk to the business. When you look for an all-in-one system, Many of the businesses that we deal with, it's so hard for them to break away from that all-in-one system because it's trying to manage so many things. And it might be able to deliver on a, on a core ability, but there's a lot of these ancillary capabilities that they're looking for that they're just stuck with because it's an all-in-one system. So that's one of the things that we try to assess in business assessment or scoping session is, you know, can you get a much better system by looking at each one of these functions specifically to choose the right app that is made for that business. And at one of the roadshows, we, we were called Lego masters because it's like taking these blocks and saying, well, what's the best pieces for my business and how do I put them together to build what I want in terms of an app function stack? You can sort of choose the best of class apps in each respective app function rather than choosing one all encompassing app that might do a good job across the whole, but might not give you the specific features you want across different app functions. Talking actual apps for a retail 
their business, would there be two, three, four, five apps that you would put, you know, when you when you look at all the plans, all the app plans, all the app designs you've done over the past 12 or 24 months, would there be a certain number of apps that tend to come up again and again? Yeah, I mean, there's a limit as to how many apps we can support. So those are the ones that we try to actively, I guess, promote where we know that th these apps have done a good job in solving the business problems that we come across. Definitely. I mean, we, we support Lightspeed, we support Venn, we support Counter. You know, a lot of the wholesale manufacturing systems have inbuilt pause systems as well, like Deer and Sin7. So there are a number of pause providers that we work with that we can bring into our scoping session for recommendation. We don't just have one. Our jobs would be really easy if we could just say we have one app that is perfect for every business. I mean, we would love that, but we just don't find that that's the case. For retail businesses, a pause as a point of sale system tends to sit at the core for a wholesale business. Then you have an inventory management system. And I guess the point of difference is that for pause, you're really looking at cash and carry transactions. There's not really any sort of different workflow for manufacturing, for distribution, for assembly. There's no warehouse function usually. So a wholesale business um, that needs manufacturing or is looking to do indent orders is going to have different workflows. So you have different apps that can provide that sort of functionality like Deer, Sin7, TradeGecko, Unleashed. Those are all sort of cloud-based apps that can provide that added functionality for somebody that has a wholesale business. And then hospitality, I can imagine systems like Counter. Yeah, we, there's Counter, there's Lightspeed Restaurant. There are um, Those are the main ones in Australia that we support. I guess they do very well in this region because they're well supported in this region. And hospitality is very different in Australia than it is North America, you know, because the wage costs are completely different. So even the, the way that the service works is very different. We tend to have a lot more order at counter places here in cafe rather than table service because it reduces the amount of staff that are needed. So those are those are apps that I would recommend in the hospitality space. Because in the hospitality space, I can imagine staff scheduling is a big and the payroll is a big thing. 100% and that's why, you know, products like Deputy and Tanda have done so well in this market is because they're addressing One of the biggest problems for retail and hospitality businesses, which is making their wage costs economical, you know, making sure that they're paying staff correctly and, mm. and on time. Big point in the, uh, in the media at the moment, paying correctly. Yeah, correct. So I think that they solve big problem for business owners here in terms of how to utilize technology to do that correctly and effectively and not consume so much time within the business. I think just on that, that wages perspective and the whole compliance piece, I think it's going to be a game changer. We asked the question in our scoping sessions with our trades and construction clients and they haven't ever really considered it about, you ask about timesheets, you ask about payroll and a lot of people just don't understand their obligations about how they should be paying and what they should be paying. So with the changes that are coming this year to what's going to be looked at and assessed and enforced, I think there's a big, there's going to be a lot of eye-opening moments happening for business owners. And technology is really there to help. I think that's what people don't quite understand. We're just having a conversation with one of our bookkeeping partners the other day with a builder who didn't understand about penalty rates and paying by the award and contractors versus employees. So I guess this is that education piece where 
us as advisors, whether it's bookkeepers or the accountants or us as the cloud integrator, we're really here to advise our clients and educate our clients about what they need to think about. You offer them the technical solution, but then with respect to penalty rates, etc., there is also a legal angle to it. Do you yeah. then refer them to providers like Employment Hero or so who consult them about yeah, the that, different awards? Yeah, that has come up in the past. And again, that's one of those functions that we don't specialize in and we're not going to pretend to specialize in. So yeah, we'll definitely make the referral to one of the advisors that can provide advice on that. Asking you the same question I asked Jeffrey before, what are the five top apps you tend to implement and do i have to like this jeffrey i could distinguish between retail wholesale and hospitality this trades is it all basically one wash up or are there no. quite, there are a lot of differences between trades aren't there yeah there is there Because is some of them are long-term projects and some of them are just at all correct yeah that's a very high level separation is job management versus project management so a plumber or an electrician that's going and doing a maintenance job They might be in and out in a couple of hours and they might do four or five jobs in one day. And so for that type of business, scheduling is really important. Hourly-based scheduling. I need to be here at 10 o'clock. I need to be here at one o'clock. I need to be here at three o'clock. And then the ability to create a quote or create an invoice and take a payment on the spot is really, really important for them. But someone that's doing a project, so a plumber that's working on a big construction project, they'll be on the one site for a month at a time. So scheduling is not so important, but ordering and keeping a track of time, not so much invoicing and payments on the spot, but more of the, I guess, the financial tracking. Cost um, Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff is really important. So that's a very high-level separation, but we find that a lot of businesses do both. They'll have a service and maintenance side to the business where there's job management required, but they'll also have a project side of the business where they're working for builders or they're working for construction crews. So there is that kind of crossover and the need for both. So, and then there's a separation of a builder as the head contractor, like we were talking about before, versus a, a trade as the plumber or the electrician or the plaster or the landscaper working underneath the builder and different requirements for those guys. So that's, I guess, some high level separation. And then there's variances between each of the different trades as well. Being a plumber, I understand plumbing electrical. It's about time tracking. It's about materials and ordering and scheduling. But a bricklayer or a plasterer or a scaffolder or a concrete company or a formwork company, their methods of quoting, methods of tracking, methods of job management are completely different. So there's a lot of variances between the trades that sit in the space as well. But I guess the more common products that we're working with I guess the more general solutions like ServiceMate and Tradeify and Workflow Max and Ascora and BuildExact and Build-A-Trend, they're all great pieces of software that suit different types of businesses, but they're more, I guess, general and promoted and part of the Zero ecosystem, part of the Myob ecosystem, part of the QuickBooks ecosystem that are out there being put in people's faces. And so I guess they're the ones that are typically getting the most traction because they're general and they suit the widest range of, of businesses, but then we get people that are looking for an industry-specific solution. And there are pieces of software that are created just for a specific industry like fire, the fire industry, or scaffolding is a big one that we're talking to uh, talking about at the moment. So there are much more industry-specific solutions that aren't as common 
and aren't as aren't as general, but solve a very specific problem for a particular industry. And typically they're a bit more expensive, but they work exceptionally well for that industry. scoping session just a verbal list of okay we, i think we should do app one app two app three app four or is it more a plan like an architecture plan where you have visual symbols of the different softwares and you write down exactly which data flow goes where that second option sounds great do you want to build that for us <laughs> well it kind of is i guess part of the second part the next step to a scoping session so To answer your question, we provide a recommendation, which is specific to the discussion and the needs that and the pain points that have been discussed. So we try to cater the recommendation based on what the client is looking for and why we've made the recommendation, not just highlighting the capabilities, but also what are some of the limitations? No software package is 100% perfect. Our role is to highlight what are some of the limitations so that they can assess that and say, is that acceptable or I need to consider that. Can I change the way that I work and work in a way that will work with how the software works? That's how we help a business owner make a good decision. But then in terms of building the actual workflow, that's probably something we do more in what we call a proof of concept. And this is, I guess, a business process that's evolved for us. We found that even after a recommendation, most business owners still to be able to make a good, confident decision need to be able to understand how these systems all work together. And it's that process of change management, right? How difficult will this be for me to learn? How much change will it impact? Will it impact my business? These are major objections that a business owner will have that are legitimate. And sometimes a business owner will actually work through those issues when they actually get to see the software and when they start to understand how they will use it within their actual business. Now, the only way you can do that is to set up what we call a proof of concept, which is like a, a demo account, a sandbox account, but not limited to just one piece of software. It's actually trying to model how all the pieces of software work together and to set it up in a simple form, in a simple way that can demonstrate and highlight the workflows that apply to that business because their workflows are specific to the way that they're used to working. And if we're going to make a recommendation to work in a different way, well, they need to see that up front so they can kind of test it and prove it and be comfortable with it. And we've evolved into offering this type of intermediate step because we realized that the way that they were getting onboarded through one of the software vendors was very different. Most software vendors will set up an onboarding time They will give them the steps and the information they need to set up the software. Yeah. And they say, okay, you've set up. And now if you have any issues, talk to support. And that support agent, while they're very well versed in their piece of software, they don't have the, business. They don't have the context of the business. That's right. So they're trying to just solve support issues. Now, there has to be a clarification as to what is a support issue, which is a break fix support or just a configuration thing versus what is a consultative problem? What is, what is a workflow problem? How do, you know, solving a problem, for example, for a business in terms of how they take payment can often start, do I take payment at the B2B level when a customer makes a transaction or do I ask for payment when the sale has actually been finalized and can be sent from zero 
Well, that's something that requires you to understand the whole ecosystem of products, not just one specific product. So we try to address those things in a proof of concept to say, these are the workflows that we've highlighted in a scoping session apply to your business. These are the things that we'd like to demonstrate to you in a proof of concept and for you to question. And once we finalize that and you agree on it and we, we sign off on it, then we can actually proceed to a full project because there's a lot less back and forth. There's a lot less, let's put it in and then figure it out as we go along. It's more being proactive in our approach, being able to ask the questions up front, allowing the customer to see the software and how it's going to work so that they can ask questions that are really relevant to them making good business decisions. I think a big part of it as well is meeting expectations. We've had a few occasions where the customer expectation has not matched with what is possible. And so the proof of concept is a way to show how it works, why it does what it does and match those expectations. Because a number of times we've had customers come to us and say, oh, I thought this software was going to do this, this and this. And that's just an assumption that's been made from what they've seen and what they've interpreted. So the proof of concept is a great way to get that mapped out. Okay, here's what is possible. Here's how it's going to work so that you don't end up with this, oh, I thought you meant X, Y, and Z. Do you find that clients usually expect less than the software actually can do and are then pleasantly surprised? Or is it that they think the software will be this omnipresent God who will just do everything? Yeah, the, the latter. <laughs> they expect it to do everything. So that's why we want to do the proof of concept because they need to actually see it and maybe just validate what their assumptions are. That sometimes they don't know to ask the questions until they actually see it. You know, that's how people learn. It's the process of learning. It's the process of changing. I mean, when I look at a lot of the workflows that people come in with, they're a byproduct of the tools that they currently use and what they've worked out on their own. Whether their tools be pieces of paper or spreadsheets, they've worked out a workflow based working backwards from the tools that they use. What we say to them, your business is still the same business, but we're going to put in new tools. So we have to look at, well, how do you use that tool more effectively? It's going to change the way that you work and maybe for the benefit if we actually approach it in a proactive way rather than a reactive way, right? And I think now business owners are understanding the value of that process because a lot of people have already been down the path of setting up a free trial and getting as far as they can with that and there being problems. And so it's actually creating a the, the evolution now is that this ever-expanding ecosystem of apps with multiple connections is creating the need for a consultant like us. It still validates why we add value to this ecosystem because this ecosystem continues to grow and there needs to be somebody that understands and sits in the center of these apps and can look at it from a holistic point of view and be able to advise businesses and guide them through this journey of adding new apps as their business evolves. What's the average size of your clients? I can imagine for you, Jeffrey, the average size is probably quite big. You know, quite <laughs> That's a good question. I can imagine they usually have several store locations or big warehouses. So that's definitely changed and evolved as the products have evolved. So when we first started, it was a lot of micro-sized businesses that were just looking for that initial technology change to iPad or, or something like that. But I think 
the software companies and the software itself has become a much easier to just onboard for that micro size type client. Self-serve. That they self-serve or they just do it direct through the vendor. So that's not really our client anymore. We service, we certainly can still continue to service that client. But where our, where we add a lot more value is more where that business is growing into the medium sized business. And I guess the size of business that we deal with is definitely dependent on the capabilities of what the software packages can do. And as the software capabilities continue to evolve and improve, then we're able to service a much larger sized client. So there's definitely, I think, a big, still a, a large gap between businesses that are either growing and wanting the, the functionality of what an ERP system can do, but they're not actually big enough to take on an ERP system, or the reverse, where an older style business has used an ERP system, but they find that it's just not the right fit for them. They don't have the time and the resources to manage it effectively. They're using a, a fraction of the features that are available because they've sort of saturated their bandwidth. And they're now looking to downscale into something that is more turnkey, that's cloud-based, that will give them the functionality of an ERP, but not the ongoing commitment to supporting it and to funding it. So you just mentioned ERP. You come in below the ERP. The ERP tends to be larger companies. You sit just below the ERPs. Yes, correct. And for us, there's a variety. We've got lots of sole traders as clients that, I guess the sole traders are probably the ones that stand to gain the most because they wear all the hats in the business. They may not have staff, they have different requirements, but they're typically very time poor because a sole trader is typically the technician that's on the field, in the field, doing the jobs, having to do the business administration, having to take phone calls. So as much efficiency for them is really, really critical. So we've got plenty of sole traders that we've set up, but equally we've got plenty of much larger businesses. But I guess the real sweet spot would sit in the businesses where they have, say, three to 10 employees and they're still doing traditional paper-based processes and are looking like once a time, once you've got a few staff in the field and you're having to manage jobs and scheduling, paper-based processes become very, very inefficient and ineffective. So I guess that's kind of the, the, the core of our client size, but we're starting to see a lot of larger businesses coming through, like Jeff said, where they're on a legacy system and they've realized that, okay, there are other options out there that can benefit and they start to look at the available options and realize the range of options that are there and want a bit of guidance on, on how to do it and how to set it up. So it's changing. Up until recently, it's been the smaller businesses, but we're now we're starting to get a lot of larger businesses coming through and we service the whole lot. Welcome back. The biggest aha moment I had in all of this is that the accounting software is not the center of it all. It is not the Houston, we have a problem of an app ecosystem. It is just one of several function groups. In the next episode, episode 231, Jeffrey and Clinton will talk about app integration. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. And if you're going to the Tech Summit in Sydney tomorrow, see you there.